the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete's, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Today's discussion is a continuation of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, which is the celebration of Israel's independence. Israel's 72 years old, and in the modern era, certainly, and it, it just shows the faithfulness of God for thousands of years, and got to excite us, right? So let's begin our time with a word of prayer. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father, our King, we love you, we praise you, and honor you. And we just ask, O oh Lord, that this program that goes out into the airwaves would be anointed to bless people and encourage people. And Lord, uh, let it be the truth, your truth, both historically and biblically. I pray for each and every person that they would be encouraged and strengthened because of your faithfulness. So we bless you and thank you and honor you in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Okay, if you would like to uh, email me, um, and if you want the outline that I've used for the Jewish history of, uh, of Israel, um, so just uh, call Karen at 813-831-5673. Uh, send you out some outlines, and also we have uh, a couple of articles that are interesting, uh, the 44 Top Inventions of Israel, and uh, another article about uh, giving you a snapshot of, of Israel. So if you want these things, please just call Karen at 813-831-5673. Also, call her if you would like to help support this program. As you can imagine, with the virus, things have been a little rough on our finances. So sending an offering at this time will help us stay on there. So 
Let's begin with the counting of the Omer. You know this is what we're doing between Passover and Shavuot. Shavuot is the Feast of Weeks, or sometimes known as Pentecost, right? And it says to count for 50 days, so we are counting. You can join with me if you have downloaded the uh, devotional that I have online. If you go to shoreshdavid.org, uh, and you click on Counting the Omer, you can either download it or view it, whatever is best. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kirishanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, who has set us apart by your commandments and has commanded us to count the Omer. Today is the third day of the fifth week, and day 31, I have counted the Omer. All right. And um, the scripture for this uh, counting, for this devotional, uh, we have two of them. John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Therefore, pray in this way, our Father in heaven, sanctified be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the thought for today is we can show our love to God with spiritual devotion. This includes our daily walk in God's Word, uh, our daily time in prayer with Him, our worship and thanksgiving to Him. These are the foundations of our relationship with the Lord. We learn what He wants from us. We speak to Him through prayer in order to have a close relationship with Him. We worship Him, give Him praise, and thank Him for all that He has done as a sign of gratitude which shows our love for Him. So our challenge uh, in these days is, is to... Uh, have three areas of daily spiritual devotion to the Lord. Which do you need to work on in these different um, areas? In order to strengthen yourself in these areas, you want to ask the following question, when, where, and how will I do better each day? Sometimes we have to write it down in order to make ourselves accountable. So I would just uh, suggest, as I mentioned, these different um, ways of, of devoting to the Lord in prayer, in God's Word, in worship, and in thanksgiving. Um, so look at those and, and see what God wants you to do. Amen? All right. Well, uh, let me get back into the history of Israel, and we were up to the 20th century, but let me just mention that there were always Jewish people in the land of Israel from the time of Abraham. But 
maybe not a large number at certain times in history for a number of reasons which we've gone over. And I'll start with kind of the end of the 1800s because that was the what is called the first Aliyah, mainly from Russia, that um, hundreds of thousands of people came from Russia and came to Israel. And Aliyah means to go up, and so that's why it's called the first Aliyah. It's a, it was an immigration. In 1897 was the first Zionist Congress convened by Theodore Herzl. We're going to talk more about him later, but um, Theodore Herzl, Israel's Declaration of Independence refers to him as the spiritual father of the Jewish state, and a name you probably don't know, uh, William Heckler, is actually an Anglican clergyman and a friend of Herzl's, and he's considered the father of Christian Zionism, and we're going to talk about him later. So in the 20th century, we see the first kibbutz, that's kind of like a, a little town, uh, We'll, we'll talk about kibbutz some other time, but the first one in 1909, and uh, the, it was uh, called Degania, and the first modern all-Jewish city was Tel Aviv, also being built in 1909. Now, in 1917, the British, who controlled that area of Palestine, it was called, um, Minister Balfour, he pledged support for establishment of a Jewish national home. And it was going to be a fairly large area, but in 1922, uh, Britain granted a mandate for Palestine by the League of Nations and set it up in such a way that Transjordan would get three-quarters of the land that was promised to the Jewish people, leaving them about a quarter, okay? So, but let's keep going here. Uh, Hebrew University, I mean, there was still, even then, there was a lot of pressure by the Arab uh, groups around that Israel should get nothing, really. And in 1925, Hebrew University opened in Jerusalem. In 1929, Jewish immigration was severely limited by something called the White Paper. You can research that. I won't go into it right now. You are all familiar with World War II and the Holocaust between 1939 and 1945. So right after that, in 1947, the UN proposes the establishment of a two-state um, in Palestine, two states, an Arab state and a Jewish state. Now, the funny thing about this is that the Jews would be left with half of the one quarter. Remember I said they only got one quarter of what they got promised? Well, this would be half of that one quarter, and much of their half that they were promised uh, in in this decision would be desert. <laughs> so they really would have gotten very little. However, 
it didn't work out that way because the even though the uh, Israelis, the Jewish people there, um, they said, "Okay, we'll we'll live with that." Um, the Arabs refused, and so this is kind of the beginning of an understanding of what the Arabs wanted. The Arabs wanted Israel to be put into the sea, you know, into the Mediterranean. That's where they wanted Israel. And so we um, see that in 1948, um, Israel finally became a nation, and uh, that was uh, May 14th of that particular year. Uh, The United Nations uh, decided that, and then... The day later, May 15th, five Arab states invade Israel. Can you believe that? The day after. And, you know, uh, but God, God was there, and, and he allowed the Jewish state to, to uh, win. It, it was crazy. Um, and if you ever want to see a good movie about that particular time, uh, watch the movie Exodus, which is uh, the name of one of the ships that was in the, in the harbor at, in, in Israel. So it was it's really uh, quite a good movie to get a sense of what was happening. So as Israel became a nation, they tried to show love to the Arabs uh, living in Israel. So the... They asked the Arabs who lived there to become co-laborers and citizens of the newly formed land. Now, unfortunately, most Arabs left uh, Israel because the Arab leaders, like the Grand Mufti, who is actually an ally of Hitler, he told the Arab people to withdraw from the land let the Arab armies come and drive the Jews into the sea, which obviously they attempted to do in 1948. But um, uh, there is an overwhelming body of evidence that uh, from both Arab and Jewish and British and American sources to prove that far from seeking to drive the Arabs out of Haifa, the Jewish authorities went to amazingly uh, lengths to to try and convince them to stay. They wanted the Arabs to stay because they believed that would make the the Israel strong is if there would be unity between the two groups. And during the fighting in the city uh, in April 1948, the Haganah's truce terms stipulated that Arabs were expected to carry on their work as equal and free citizens of Haifa. So, not all of the Arabs left. Uh, Many of them stayed in Israel and didn't listen, you know, to the leaders. And so Israel currently has about 20% of their entire population are Arabs. And they are Arab citizens. In fact, as we talk a little later on about the current situation in Israel, we see that there are 
Israelis in what in in uh, what is called the Congress, so to speak, uh, and and there are judges and mayors and of cities uh, who are Arab. All right. So you know what you read in the newspapers and what you hear uh, on the, in the news media is not really that accurate of what's really going on in Israel. So Israel's proclamation of independence issued May 19, uh, 14, 1948, again, even that invited Arabs to remain in their homes and become equal citizens. And this is part of what it said. It, it said, in the midst of wanton aggression, we yet call upon the Arab inhabitants of the state of Israel to preserve the ways of peace and play their part in the development of the state on the basis of full and equal citizenship and due representation in all its bodies and institutions. We extend our hand in peace and neighbor, neighborliness to all neighboring states and their peoples and invite them to cooperate with the independent Jewish nation for common good of all. You know, I really believe that's what love looks like. Israel tried to reach out in love. However, obviously, through the years, the Arab countries surrounding Israel kept wanting Israel to be gone from the Middle East. They wanted to take care of everything, uh, all of it, and, and look, they're not going to stop until Israel is no more. I mean, that's the bottom line, which is why there's continuing strife there. Well, in 1956, there was something called the Suez Canal, and um, that was with Egyptian President Nasser. He nationalized the canal, and that caused all sorts of tension, but it, it finally got resolved. And, but in 1967, this is a biggie, the Six-Day War, it was an Egyptian plot to destroy Israel, and it backfired when Israel struck first, I think it was like a couple days or a day before they were ready to engage, uh, Israel struck first, and they destroyed the forces of Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. Uh, and they took a new territory, including the Gaza Strip, the Sinai Peninsula of Egypt, the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and the and the Arab sector of East Jerusalem. So all of that was under Jordanian rule. But by the time the United Nations ceasefire took effect on June 11th, Israel had more than doubled its size. Now, this is really important, especially the part that they now controlled all of Jerusalem, because that was the prophetic statement of God, I believe, that, that instituted Messianic Judaism after 2,000 years. Because 
if you look at Romans 11.25, which we've gone over a number of times, and Luke 21.24, and if we have time later on, we'll talk about it. But those two scriptures put together show us that when Jerusalem is in Jewish hands again, this is the time when the blinders will start coming off of the Jewish people. And that's exactly what happened. It happened to me. It happened to a number of my friends here at, at, during this time. We accepted the Lord for no good reason, in a sense. Uh, we, didn't, we, we were not connected in any way, but just randomly we started accepting the Lord. And, and this is because God's timing, this is his faithfulness, and that's what's so important to know about God at this point, is that he is faithful. Well, finally, after the 1967 war, then we have the 1973 war, and um, that was the Yom Kippur War. They uh, attacked on the holiest day of the Jewish calendar, uh, and so that war, war was also fairly short um, because it, the, the ceasefire uh, happened in, oh, I, I guess, about three weeks later. And um, again, uh, there was more land that they got. And, um, so we see here that um, they... In getting the more land, later on, this was the big thing. And, and so Egypt and other countries would say, well, if you give us land, we'll give you peace. And that obviously didn't happen. In 1982, there was a deal struck, land for peace. Israel withdrew from the Sinai, and they had built, uh, you know, a hospital. They built... Uh, um, you know, airport, um, they, they, uh, there was oil, you know, Israel doesn't have oil as of now, and there was oil there, and they gave all of that up for peace. And that really didn't work well, though there later on developed peace between Israel and Egypt. But um, land for peace again was tried in 2005, where Israel withdrew from the Gaza, and that, and, and as of yesterday, they're still bombing from the Gaza into Israel. Uh, it's, it's. Can you imagine uh, hearing bombs go off daily if you were living in southern Israel? It's, it's, it's insane. Uh, they just will not stop. And then in 2006, there was the Lebanon War, which was between Lebanon and, and northern is the northern Israel area. So, during this the, the history of of Israel and Jerusalem, Jerusalem has been attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times, and besieged 23 times and destroyed twice. Wow. Can you imagine living in Jerusalem? I wonder if any other city has this kind of history. I don't think so. But it is all about the faithfulness of God. It is all about what uh, 
God is, is showing us in these days. You know, in Deuteronomy 32, 21, it says, They made me jealous, meaning God, jealous, with a non-God. They vexed me with airy idols, so I will make them jealous with a non-people. With a foolish nation, I will vex them. And so um, we see that even then, um, Jews would become jealous of other people's relationships with God. And, and so uh, God is, is just very clear in his word. If we're not going to follow him, certain things are going to happen. And we see, I mentioned uh, to you in Romans 11, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. By their steps, meaning false steps, the Jewish people, Salvation has come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. And this is where we should be right now because we see, for instance, in Ephesians 2:15 and 16, that God wants to create within himself one new man from the two groups, meaning the Jewish people and those who are not Jewish, making shalom and to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. So, yes, Yeshua came to atone for our sins and grant us eternal life. However, Yeshua also came to make these two groups, the Christians and the Messianic Jews, one. And Yeshua came to bring reconciliation with two groups who don't even know and didn't know they even needed reconciliation. He died so that you and I could be one. And it's, this message is repeated in John 17, 20 and 21, and I've mentioned that a number of times, where it talks about, I pray not on behalf of these only, meaning my disciples, my Jewish disciples, but also for those who believe in me through their message, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, so also may they be one in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. And one of the reasons we see, I believe, the, the church and Messianic Judaism beginning to come together is because when we really come together and we support one another, we are going to see a revival like never never before. And I believe that will start in Israel. Uh, there are over a hundred messianic groups in Israel, congregations and ministries and so on. Um, so there's a lot of things going on there. And, and really we need to continue to pray. You know, God promised the land of Israel to his chosen people 4,000 years ago. And then God promised that a non-people would make Israel jealous 3,000 years ago. And God promised that the two would become one new man 2,000 years ago, which was the beginning in the, of the Messianic movement. And I believe that the fulfillment to God's prophetic timetable 
is connected when the two groups become one. So as we study the history of Israel, we're also studying the history of the faithfulness of God. So let me mention a couple other things. I, I talked to you about uh, Theodore Herzl, and I just wanted to mention uh, about him. You know, many of you probably know his name, um, and uh, but there was a fellow by the name of William Henry Hechler, and he was born in 1845 in India to a German Anglican missionary father. And Williams, uh, you know, he had a very conservative education, and he was exposed to something called evangelical restorationism. What that was is that they believed the second coming of Yeshua would occur when Jews were restored to Palestine. And Heckler's faith did not mandate that the Jews had to convert before restoration. However, it did lead to a real interest in the welfare of Jews, Jewish concerns, and in Palestine. So, in, in 1893, Heckler self-published a tract called The Restoration of the Jews to Palestine, according to the prophecy. And Heckler had projected that the days of Jewish salvation would begin in 1897 and 1898. Interesting enough, Leopold Kahn, a Hungarian immigrant to the United States, um, became a Jewish believer in Jesus and found the Brownsville Mission, which in 1894, which later became the American Board of Missions to the Jews, which is currently now called Chosen People. And out of that group, Moshe Rosen left in the early 70s and formed Jews for Jesus, which we see the seeds of Jewish revival beginning once again the late 1800s. And so Heckler, going back to him, dug into the scripture, looked at prophecy, and he just understood. He, he, you know, and he could have argued with the church, he could have argued with friends and acquaintances, but instead he just taught everyone who would listen. He was persistent, and God used him. One day he walked by a, a bookstore and saw in the window Theodore Herzl's book, The Jewish State. And so he sought Herzl out, and they collaborated together. And it's kind of interesting because Herzl's vision was very secular, and yet Heckler's vision was very scriptural. And somehow the two uh, were able to agree in so many areas and work together. So, I mean, consider this. Uh, amazing thing. Here's this devout Christian and this secular Jew, and they're responsible together for developing uh, a vision for the land of Israel. You know, I'm, I'm picturing this. Uh, there were people back then who said to both of them, 
you shouldn't trust the other guy. Or Christian friends saying, don't be unequally yoked. Or saying, you're both crazy, this will never work. Or Christian friends said, the church is the new Israel. Or Jewish friends said, Christians are anti-Semitic. Look, it's God has his own way of doing things. Don't you agree? Today, we think we have everything figured out as to what Scripture says and what God's will is. But if we had lived in the late 1800s, would we have been backing these two guys? Or would we have said, no, this isn't right? Even with all that God has given us through the Bible, God still surprises us. He surprises us. And I believe he has many more surprises for us. Well, that's all the time we have today. Uh, we didn't get to talk about Israel's inventions, and God has blessed this small country in so many amazing ways. If you're interested, I could email you the link to a good article called Israel's Top 44 Inventions. I also have another great article that uh, gives you a snapshot of Israel and just tells you a little bit about it, and also the outline that I've used for last week and today's teaching. Just give Karen a call at 813-831-5673 and consider supporting us. We could really use it as our bills are higher than our gifts right now, so consider sending us an offering. May the Lord be your first priority, and may you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. Join me as we close in prayer. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we thank you, O Lord, for what you've done with Israel, Lord, and you have placed them in the center of the world, Lord, and it's, and it's your land, and you have given it to them, and, and you um, are making them an example um, to the world that you are real and that you are faithful. So, Lord, we bless you, we thank you, and honor you, and give you all the glory in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Father, I thank you and praise you for this season. I pray that each person listening to my voice will have a great season of worshiping you and that they will be involved with this, these Moedim, these appointed times that you have made thousands of years ago for us even this day. I pray for great health for all that are listening. I pray for protection over this virus, and I pray that it will be just a great week where you will be encouraged in the Lord. And I pray this all in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.